Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on Real Presence Live. I'm Teresa Curley. I'm Deacon Paul Trinan. We are broadcasting from the Abbey of the Hills in beautiful Marvin, South Dakota, just a little bit north, I guess, east of Watertown, about a half an hour or so. We're excited to have you on board. I'm excited to be back. This is my second visit to the Abbey, and I'm, I don't know, it's a beautiful day for it. It's a beautiful day, and we just got uh, connected with uh, fiber optics up here. (laughs) And so I said, whenever we mention fiber optics, we have to kind of give an emphasis on everything's faster and hopefully more reliable, because last time you were here, we had this failure to be to stay connected and uh, we were scrambling for the first 30 minutes of the program but we are excited to welcome everybody out there in our listening area and it's broad it's broad um i always say you know i tell people i go gosh you know there's people as far away as wisconsin minnesota north and south dakota Mm -hmm. even into wyoming and i can say this morning even into iowa because my mom is going to be listening online to her son because she likes to listen to her son babble on and on and on so (laughs) Well, we want to welcome you. We've got a great show ahead of us. We've got several guests, kind of a, um, a theme towards the church um, that's coming up. How we father, how we father children, how we minister to young adults, and, and obviously that, that church has arrived and then I'll, we're also ministering to um, campus ministry and things like that, high school ministry, um, that's arrived as well. I shouldn't even say that, that it's coming up. It's, it's amongst us, but it's the youth and the youngness of the church that maybe will have the focus of today. What do you think? That sounds good. It's exciting yeah. times. Yeah. So let's just jump right into it, should we? Sounds good. Let's welcome our first guest. It's Devin Schott. Am I pronouncing your name, your last name right, Devin Schott? Yes, you are. All right, terrific. My name is Deacon Paul Trinan, and we are uh, really, really pleased to have you here on, on uh, Real Presence Radio. I have to ask you, Devin, you are a, a man who's got a heart for fathers and, and, and have started a, a, you're the executive director of a group called the Fathers of St. Joseph's, correct? That's correct, yes. Help us out. Help me out. Help our audience. Where are you at today? Where are we visiting with you from? Yeah, so I live in the Midwest, actually in Iowa, and not Ohio, not Idaho, but Iowa. <laughs> so, awesome. <laughs> right along the Mississippi River, about two hours west of Chicago. All right, terrific. I've got some relatives. I've got a brother that lives over in that neck of the woods. So welcome. We're excited to have you. Um, I've been on your website. I've listened to the intro video that you have that um, so eloquently describes kind of how the Holy Spirit guided you towards this ministry, but why don't you give us an, a, little, uh, a little background, Devin, on how you came to uh, be the executive director of Fathers of St. Joseph? Yeah, well, it wasn't planned, that's for sure, <laughs> as uh, most of God's ways are not, you know, Amen. but 
at least from a human perspective. But basically, I I was a guy who was, um, you know, I grew up thinking I was going to be a professional baseball player, you know, and I, I mean, at that time, I think I graduated high school at five foot one, if you can believe it. I had my growth spurt after high school, and I'm still only like five foot six. So I didn't, I didn't really uh, get very far, but I think I had a lot of worldly aspirations, prestige, you know, prominence, uh, profit, pleasure, you know, all those possessions, all the peace, you know, and, and, but I lacked real peace in my life. I got married. I had a conversion shortly before I was married kind of like a really crazy experience that brought me literally to my knees and opened me up to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And then I was married, and I thought that marriage is a lot like, and in, in having a family is a lot like, you know, landscaping or planting a tree. You know, you, you put the seed in the ground, maybe a little water, and then it'll just take care of itself. And I was wrong. And um, through many experiences uh, that involved a lot of suffering, uh, cancer, um, almost my marriage falling apart. And then our third daughter, Anna Marie, being born at 28 weeks premature, mm. she spent a month in a neonatal intensive care unit. And it looked like we had our Anna Marie. She came home shortly after Christmas. Everything was good. But within five days, she spiked a fever. She was having trouble breathing. We took her back to the children's or to the hospital. But we had to bring her to the pediatric unit because she could not reenter the neonatal intensive care unit for fear of infecting the other children. And so the pediatric unit, the hospital this time, was not prepared to take care of a baby that small. Her, her leg mm. was like the size of my index finger. Mm. Wow. And um, so, long story short, she suffered nurse neglect in about 10 hours of apnea, and non-enough oxygen was transmitted to her brain. And so by the time the medevac uh, team came in and got her on life support and got her on, you know, rolled her across the tarmac and got her on that medevac helicopter to fly out to another children's hospital about two hours away. By the time she arrived there, she suffered three clinical death experiences and permanent brain injury. And, you know, the respirator, everything was working for keeping her alive. She defibbed a bunch of times, um, doctors rushing in, rushing out, trying to figure out how to actually save Anna Marie's life. And when my wife showed up the next day and saw Anna Marie, who was almost unrecognizable, she was swollen on Lasix, she the machine was breathing for her. My wife broke down and just said, I need you to come home and be a husband and a father in so many words. And I thought I was, you know, but I had no clue what it meant to be a husband or what it meant to be a father. I thought I already was doing it, but really I was working around the clock. Um, at that time, I think I was starting my own business or trying to. I was also working for another employer full time. Um, I was involved in youth ministry. So I really wasn't involved at home. I was just a placeholder. And so I saw fatherhood as kind of like a second-rate vocation or something you kind of have to do, but you don't really want to do it, you know? Uh, meanwhile, you need to be conquering the world, you know, for the things that really matter, like money and power you know, and, and prestige. Um, but it was in that experience that I really recognized, man, I'm, I'm not doing my real job. And I was convicted. And so... I took it to heart, and I really tried to be a good father and good husband, but I didn't have a roadmap, and I didn't have a clue what that meant. And really, to be honest, I mean, evaluating the Church's teachings on masculinity and fatherhood, there really wasn't a lot out there at the time. And so I struggled. And a friend of mine took me to Medjugorje. I know Medjugorje is kind of a contentious kind of uh, topic, but it took me to Medjugorje. And while I was there, a woman who is kind of the leader of our group, 
she has this pilgrimage site there. Her name's Nancy. I was talking to her about, man, I feel like I'm called to do something for the Lord. I feel like I'm supposed to do something for Him, but I don't know what to do with this burning desire. And she said, are you married? And I said, yes. And she said, do you have children? And I said, yes. And she said, go home and be St. Joseph. <laughs> and that really was not what I wanted to hear, because my idea of St. Joseph was like, okay, I, the guy who looks like he's about 180 years old, like Abraham in the stained glass windows, you know, he's leaning over a cane in the shadows, you know, loved lilies for some reason. I was like, that big, guy... Big into lilies, yeah. Yeah, big into lilies. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I am not into that guy at all. But in the process, though, I had surrendered my life to our Blessed Mother. Um, that was very hard for me, very hard. Um, I did St. Louis and Montfort's Total Consecration, which mm, yeah. just really was challenging. But I got through it, and I authentically, uh, with all my heart, surrendered myself to our Blessed Lady, so that I might be totally Christ. And and it was as though she said, I want to introduce you to my earthly husband. I want you to understand who he is. And it was, I, I carved out space in my attic, I know I'm crazy, but I made a little chapel up there and I began praying. And it was, after a while, it was like I was on download. And during prayer, I'd receive like these kind of like insights into St. Joseph. And I started writing them down. I founded a writer's group started sharing these things with the guys, and one of the guys said, I know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to write on fatherhood through the lens of St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. And so I wrote a book to myself, literally a letter to myself called Joseph's Way, which was a, an attempt to try to carve out a vision uh, of fatherhood, a spiritual theological vision of fatherhood through the lens of St. Joseph. And what happened, though, was I shared that manuscript with a friend who worked for a publisher who knew a publicist. I didn't know what he's doing. He shared it with the publicist without me knowing. The publicist then shared it with Ignatius Press without me knowing. Then Ignatius mm. Press called me and asked if they could publish it. <laughs> and I was just blown away. And so pretty soon I'm starting to do interviews on the radio, and I'm not ready. I mean, I don't have a degree in theology. I don't have any, you know, real formal theological education. And pretty soon I'm giving talks at conferences, and I'm, I'm in over my head. But what I recognized in all this was that there, I wasn't the only one out there who didn't know what they were doing, and I wasn't the only one out there who didn't need a mentor and a guide in St. Joseph. And what I discovered is that we have a famine of fatherhood, a big-time famine of fatherhood. And I also discovered, through the stats, through reality, through experience, that society goes by with a family— and the family goes by way of the father. Mm-hmm. And if you want to change the world, you want to change the church, you got to change fathers. And so, 2012, Father St. Joseph was born. 2012 already. Okay. Well, let me back up. You, you, you gave us a lot to digest in there, and I want to kind of dissect it a little bit, if you'd allow me to. But, um, yeah, absolutely. So, so, okay, this beautiful Anna Marie comes in your life, and, you know, just a tiny little... Just a tiny little life, right? And, and, and you've got two kids already? Am, am I right in that? That's correct. And so then your wife, your beloved, she says to you, <laughs> she says to you, now I, I, I'm interpreting this as a father of six myself, okay? Because um, that's an echo. <laughs> this is an echo, okay? So I've heard this before. She says, I need you to come home and be a husband and a father. That's pretty profound. When I hear you say that, Devin, that speaks to my heart, 
I need you. When, when a wife says to a husband, I need you to come home, I need you to come home and to be a husband and a father. You can take that a couple of different ways, a couple of profound ways. But you found in that a call, right? Because I, I, I know I've, I've heard that before, and I can be kind of defensive with that, Devin. I don't know about you, but I could, I could see me being defensive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the first, so, yeah, that's a deep topic right there alone. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of talk about mercy. And the mercy, the way we talk about a lot of times is cheap. And the reason it's cheap is because the only way to have true mercy is through true conviction. You know, when we're aware of what, where we've fallen, when we're aware of the sins we've committed or where we're falling short, when we become convicted of that and we understand the wages of that, like St. Paul says, the wages of sin is death. When we understand the consequences of what we're doing, and then mercy steps in, says, okay, this is what's supposed to happen to you, but I'm going to give you a way out. Um, that's that's when we, our life can really change because we respect the mercy, we reverence the mercy. And what my wife was holding out to me that day was conviction and mercy. Yeah. She was saying, you're not present. You're not present, but I need you to be, and this is the way out. And what I discovered, and this, the guys tell, say this a lot, that one of the biggest themes of the Father of St. Joseph and St. Joseph's spirituality is that they realize that their vocation is not just something they do, like, professionally, but their vocation is something they are, their identity, and that vocation is a path to their destiny. So your identity leads to your destiny. Your identification is discovered by means of your vocation as a father, and that, that vocation leads to your destination, which is glorification in God. And so the vocation is the path. No other path will be given. When I was in Medjugorje, the Dominican friar said to me, he said, I, I was just pouring my heart out. He said, you will become a saint by means of your vocation, mm. not outside of it. And man, that pounded me. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back on the other side of the break, I want to I I go from, okay, because you used this beautiful analogy of, well, I thought a father was somebody who just planted a seed or a sapling, a tree, and put it into the ground, watered it a few times, and then let it go. To where your definition or your I, your your conviction of fatherhood is at right now. So we're on Real Presence Radio this morning. We're blessed to have you listening. We're lit, we're, 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 we're we're visiting with Devin Shad, who is the executive director of the Fathers of Saint Joseph. And um, please stay on through the rest of the break, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. 
Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Teresa Curley. Hello, Teresa. I'm Deacon Paul Trinan. Good to have you. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I get to do this <laughs> once every other month, and we do it on location here at uh, the Abbey of the Hills Inn and Retreat Center, which is a beautiful facility. Even in the middle of November, it's quite beautiful because we've got sun coming through the, through the windows and um, we've got a nice warm atmosphere inside. But we're talking with Devin Shad. He's the executive director of the Fathers of St. Joseph. He's kind of given us the why, a little bit of the why anyways, of, of how the Fathers of, or the, yeah, the Fathers of St. Joseph came into being. And you said about 2012. Is that right, Devin? That's correct. And I was touched right before the break. I asked you, hey, Let's talk, visit a, a little bit about this about this this analogy of the idea of what a father is supposed to be prior and what you've come to see a father, a true father to be. You use the analogy of a tree, you know, hey, yeah, every guy likes to plant trees and put them in the ground, level them up, give them a little base there for the water and kind of, you know, go out there and water them a few times a, a week for a few weeks and then just let it go, right? And, hey, I'm a father. <laughs> That's yeah. not how you see it now, correct, Evan? Maybe go into some explanation of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we all know, relationships just don't take care of themselves. Um, they need to be nurtured. They need to be cultivated. And anybody can see that who spent, you know, more than 20 years in marriage. You can see what happens when you don't nurture in marriage, you know, or when you do nurture in marriage. Um, and so I think it's like that. Just Fatherhood isn't just being a father. Biologically, it's spiritual, and it's also in relationship to your wife. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about, you know, the role of a husband, the role of a father, the role of a leader, uh, the role of a spiritual leader. But, yeah, you just can't plant your seed and go your merry way. I think that there's a couple things that we have to understand. And, you know, I... 
I call them the, there's like, basically there's the purpose, there's the path, and then there's the pillars to live this. And, and so every man must understand that he has a purpose. He has a goal that he's shooting for, and that is to cut a path through the thicket of this world and to take the brambles and the thorns himself, but to cut that path and make a way for his family, his wife and his children to get to the fatherland, to get to heaven. That's, that's his goal. That's his purpose. So that means that part of his purpose, then, he has to become an image of God the Father. He has to become an icon of God the Father. And I think this is where a lot of us just, we don't even realize that this is our calling, that we're called to be the face of the Father that our children cannot see, by being really present to our children, you know, gazing upon them with love. You know, Malachi 4, verse 6 tells us that, in the end, before that great and terrible day, God's game plan is that He's going to turn the hearts of fathers toward their children. So mm-hmm. The hearts of children will not only turn towards their fathers and trust and love, but by doing so, they will trust the Heavenly Father. So we need to be the face of the Father, but we need to be the voice of the Father that our children cannot hear. Words of encouragement, affirmation, and even critique. Not critique in a negative, nagging way, but in a, but in a very encouraging, helpful way. We need to invest in our kids, you know, and and then we need to be the touch of the Father that our children cannot feel, you know, hugs, kisses, all that, you know, affectionate. Um, but, but, but we need to understand, first of all, the purpose. But then there's that path. The path is fatherhood. You know, like I said before, that's the vocational path for destiny. But then what I realized in St. Joseph, and this is really the key for me, was that even though the Scriptures don't seem to say too much about St. Joseph, when I dug in, I discovered that he has a spirituality, and that spirituality is what every father should be living. And that spirituality is comprised of four pillars. Embrace silence, embrace woman, embrace the child, and embrace your charitable authority. You know, if you have four tires on the road, your car is running good. You know, three, no way. You know, and and when you have these four pillars established in your house, these four walls, so to speak, is your foundation— you can build a house for God, a temple for God, and that's your domestic church. And that's what he wants. And so these four pillars, they're deep. I, I just mentioned them in passing, but they're so deep, they're so powerful. Each of them have three aspects. But um, when I started building my life on these four pillars, that's when everything really began to change. And I started living a spirituality, like the Dominicans, and Norbertines, the Carmelites, they all have a rule of order, a way of life. St. Joseph has a way of life, and it applies to husbands and fathers. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Um, let me ask you this. In, 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 in learning about this, the four pillars, and you said each one of these four pillars, you said silence, woman, yeah. yep. child, yep. And, and I think I heard you say authority. Is that correct? Charitable authority. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said that. Well, wait, wait a minute. What are you laughing about? Are you... What's wrong with What's wrong with authority? Well, in a in a in a in a radical feminist, effeminate uh, uh, equality culture, to speak of charitable authority is like one of the the moral mortal sins of social uh, you know constructs. So. As soon as you mention authority or even patriarchy or spiritual authority or fatherhood, you're like, you're a bad guy. And so really what we're doing is we're running against a a cultural tsunami 
a black tidal wave that has washed away the church or trying to wash away the church through the family by taking the strong man of the house out, as Jesus says. You want to plunder the house, you bind the strong man, then you can plunder his goods. And that's the Satan's goal is to bind the strong man of the house, which is the human father. You know, that's why I bring it out. I bring it out because it's so anti-worldly. Um, that, and, but it goes right back to, excuse me, Devin, what's your wife's name? Uh, Kim. 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 What Kim said to you when Anna Marie was kind of going into the some of the early hospitalizations, I need you to come home and be a husband and a father. Part of that, part of that is to honor me, to honor our children, but certainly part of that I think is she's saying, I need you to display, uh, to live out, to be charitable authority in our family unit. Right? Amen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. And, and I think that this is really uh, one of the fundamental issues of our time is that men have been shamed um, of their masculine soul. You know, they're, they're, they've been trained to be ashamed of their masculine soul. They've been uh, almost conditioned to be afraid to step out. Um, that it's it's seen as some type of uh, domineering bullying, or you're being a tyrant by trying to lead. Well, no, no. Leadership has nothing with, to do with being, real leadership has nothing to do with being a tyrant or a domineering bully or just making it all about you and your way. It has everything to do with self-donation, sacrificial responsibility. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas, he, said, he says that um, what's first in God's intention is last in execution. If you look at the creation count, Eve is created last. Mary is last in his execution, first in his intention and sense. Woman is the queen. We kings, we have to uphold their queenship. We have to lay down our lives for them. That's what sacrificial responsibility, charitable authority is all about. I think that's the key of this whole movement. You know, some people would say, oh, men are confused of their masculine soul. I think it's way beyond that. I think it's well beyond that in our society, and it's like you described, Devin, it's ashamed. Most men are ashamed of their masculine soul when it's a God-given, yeah. not, it's a God-given vocation, a vocation, right? It's going to lead yeah. them yeah. to their destiny. It's going to lead to, like St. Joseph, glorifying God, glorifying God through their family and loving their neighbor. And our first vocation is to our wife and our and our daughter, our, our, our children, not just our daughters. <laughs> yeah. Our sons, too, especially. <laughs> Forget the guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, and Christ says this. He, he says, let your light shine. Um, and we've been conditioned to bury that light. And it doesn't mean that we shove our light in people's faces so they go blind, but we, we let that light shine. And it's simply being who we're called to be. St. Catherine Sienna says, Become who you are, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, become who you really are, who God's really created you to be, and you'll set the world ablaze. Okay, now I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you real quick here. (laughs) Because off air, before we got talking, before we even brought you in here, we were talking about the USCCB group of bishops that are meeting in, help me out, is it Washington or Baltimore? One of the two. And and that could be said for them as well, couldn't it, Devin? Oh, my gosh. Are you with me? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, really, to step up. And to, to have that, again, that charitable authority, a charitable authority to lead, to lead our church. But we're talking about, on that minute scale, that, that domestic church, to lead that church. What a beautiful, beautiful calling, vocation. And it's not a second-rate vocation, 
right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that. I totally agree. And, and the key, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it all begins, uh, okay, so the way I look at it is if we want to convert the world, the church needs to be renewed and restored, okay? And that's it. we need that desperately. And if that is to happen, the family, the micro-church of the family, which comprises the bigger church, needs to be restored, revitalized, which means the marriage needs to be restored and revitalized, which means the man whose husband and father needs to live for this cause. But in the church, this is what's happened over the last 40 years or 50 years, is that this effeminate masculinity has stepped in, or we're afraid to lead, we're afraid to talk about difficult things from the pulpit, we're afraid to actually lead our flock in a way that's sacrificial. You know, we've lost touch with uh, trans transcendental reality. We, we don't talk about sin and hell. I mean, we talk about people's, you know, short failings and fallings, but we've got, this is a battle. We're amidst a battle for souls, and as I think Lucia said, uh, souls are falling into hell like leaves from trees, you Whoa. know? So... We there we go. We we're, go- we're going back to the tree analogy again, too. I've got to listen. I've got to ask you one quick question before we leave because we're constricted by time. But how can men join you? And is this program available to, to parishes? Let's finish up with that. So go to fathersofstjoseph.org, fathersofstjoseph.org. Yes, it's available for parishes. We have different formats. Lead is a great program for men, which has a video component and a book component for small groups for men. But that's and then you can download our free book, The Path, which outlines St. Joseph's spirituality in very easy format. And that's where I would go. Fathersofstjoseph.org. Download The Path for your beginning and then join Leeds. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Devin. It was great having you on. Yeah, my honor and pleasure. Thank you. Hey, God bless you, Devin. God bless the work of your hands and your, and your heart. And, and, and God bless your family. Your, your five children? Yeah, five daughters. Yep. Five daughters. All right. Thank you for joining us. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us over the break, and we'll be back um, talking about some young adult initiatives in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 